Hey, it's Tim Patterson over at Trade Show Guy Exhibits. Find us at tradeshowguy.net. You can do trade show exhibits with us. You can find the two books on trade show marketing all there and uh, some freebie downloads, videos, a whole lot of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I do this weekly. Well, it's not really weekly anymore. It used to be weekly. It's now like when I find a great guest and I have time to do it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've been pulling back. I'm, you know, I'm in my mid-60s. What can I say? I just, I want to like not do it as often. So, but I still enjoy it. I did get a chance this week to catch up with one of my favorite folks in the trade show industry. That would be Ken Newman of Magnet Productions. Ken uh, went to Exhibitor Live here a week or so ago as we record this, as I recorded him a couple of days ago. And he'd never been, and I was curious to get his impressions, not only because it's an industry show focused on the trade show industry, uh, to people that do trade show marketing and buy exhibits and all the services that go along with it, uh, but also because he'd never been, and I was just curious to see what his take was it on, as as well as to check in with him on how his business is doing and all that other stuff. And that uh, is how that conversation went. It was a good one. I hope you enjoy it. I got it. I welcome uh, Ken Newman back to the uh, trade show guy, Monday Morning Coffee. Ken, how you doing? Did I catch you in like the middle of uh, yawning or something? No, no, no. You're just in the middle of practicing a card trick. Um, oh, yeah. Show me. No, <laughs> gosh. No, I'm just like, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if I can do this here, but. Well, Ken's uh, been on this uh, particular show a long time. Ken and I've known each other uh, 12, 13 years. I don't know, 15 years. It's been a long time. 147 uh, years. Something like 147, that. it feels like sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, even mm-hmm. though he's in San Francisco, I'm up in Salem. We've hung out a few times. So anyway. Yeah, we have. Uh, uh, nice to have you here, Ken. Thanks for taking time. I know you're like a really, really busy guy. So <laughs> it's been a, it's been a happily. A, I mean, it's been I've been busy throughout the entire you know year and a half because I had to kind of rebuild the business and start doing right you know, video film production stuff. So, but, but now the live thing is coming back and I'm busier than ever. So that's, I'm well, really let's talk excited. about that. And I, and I know you were at exhibitor live over uh, last weekend. Uh, this will be on in a couple of days on, on the website. So have you worked that show before? You know, I haven't. And I've been, um, I've been asked to, I have a lot of people, as you know, that are in the same space that I'm in. I'm, uh, you know, yeah. I, we do infotainment, right? Which involves sure. magicians, jugglers, comedians, game show hosts, whatever. So I've got, there's another guy that, that has sort of been a, a fixture there. He's gone every year and does, you know, his self-promotion. He also does some, um, teaches a class, you know, about engagement and how to um, bring people to the booth. And because I do magic, he invited me to be sort of under his banner. And I just... Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I didn't want to do it. It's just it always managed to coincide with a uh, with another show that I was either booked for or managing, and it just didn't time out right. And um, in this case, through a LinkedIn connection that I made with a guy named Lee Ali through Expo Stars, and that's a he's a they do some really amazing work in trade shows. I mean, really comprehensive things from like um, sort of pre-show work to, you know, lead generation. He's got booth staff support people all over the world, huge, you know, huge resource. So we've, we've decided to partner up on a bunch of different projects. And one of those was this, he said, well, he's going to be at Exhibitor Live. And would I be sort of a spokesperson in his booth, not for my own company, Magnet Productions, but to do that for Expo? And I said, sure, why not? You know, you know, fine. And we worked out an agreement. Um, and so I came with my little, uh, you know, dog and pony show, my little uh, <laughs> pelican case with a few magic tricks and a table and a small, small, small amp set up on the corner of a, gosh, 10 by 10 booth, maybe. I don't know. Really, really, really small. So you're a small space. You're, you're, you're normally operating in like islands. and bigger, Yeah. I mean, I've done, stuff, you yeah. know, I, I've done everything from 10 by 10 to, you know, 
90 by 90, you know, if they, then they, <laughs> they set up a huge theater and with a stage and a riser, that's, I'll be doing a really big booth in Chicago at RSNA with, you know, a full PA system and plenty of right. room to run around, um, you know, and just have to rely on my own natural height as opposed to the augmented height that I get from standing <laughs> on a two foot high platform. But um, yeah, no, I just brought my little case and my thing and I was at the corner of the booth. And, and the idea was we had some raffle items and we were just going to stop people in the aisles. We had, had two booth staff support people that, that he provided, really talented. They did a great job. And uh, yeah, that was the idea. You know, he's done the show every year for, gosh, well, except this past year, obviously, but I think probably four or five years, maybe. And he's found it to be quite, you know, quite successful. He gets, a, you know, a few good leads out of it that, you know, translates yeah. to, uh, for him, quite a bit of work, I guess. It's obviously a very focused show to the, you know, to the people that do exhibits or that want to purchase an exhibit or learn about that industry. Um, well, they do yeah, training and in classes and all that stuff. I've been, sure. I think, once, and it's been been nine or ten years since i've been but i enjoyed it it was a good show and i hear lots of good things about it so having never been there what was your impression of the show and uh, you know i guess under the umbrella of we're in COVID times <laughs> still yeah that that's a that's a rather dark umbrella so the um you know i i realized they were doing it under you know difficult circumstances uh that being yeah. uh the attendance was going to be lower you know than than probably anticipated or definitely lower than previous than years previous um but within <laughs> within a number of hours of day one, Lee was saying things like, "I'm not doing this again," <laughs> you know. And I and I and I said, "Well, look, I, I don't really have a frame of reference here." And he said, "Well, you know, uh, last year I don't know if it was three days long or or what. I don't really you know have the details, but there were dedicated hours when the show floor was the only sort of activity." of you know that that was on the schedule so that yeah, no classes you know, nothing like that it's all right no co no competing now, yeah. events right. and having been through something quite similar to that at a, i think it was black hat a number of years ago and i remember you know that my client was really upset about the fact that you know you literally could bowl in the aisles you know for hours <laughs> at a time and then i looked at the calendar i went this makes no sense to me and i and i remember i got on twitter <laughs> this is this irritated a number of people rather a lot. I got on Twitter and I just said, hey, to the management of, in this case, or I guess it was Black Hat, I can't remember. I think it was. I believe that in light of the fact that the people who are buying the booth space are essentially funding the show, that not giving them the opportunity to see the maximum number of people that are at the show is really doing them a, you know, a disservice. I might not have worded it quite as diplomatically as I just did right now, um, because it was, you know, I was registering my displeasure in no uncertain terms. And in a remarkably short period of time, a number of people from show management came by my booth. I didn't identify my, you know, it was like to their credit, it, they did a fair amount of forensic work, you know, to figure out who I was, where I was, and came over and said, can we speak with you for a moment? I'm like, you know, we really didn't appreciate, I said, you're here. We're talking about this, aren't we? You know, I said, this, you know, this is a squeaky wheel phenomenon here. I'm, you know, if I had just written the letter after the show, I don't know that I would have gotten any kind of response. And I said, but I think you really need to reconsider how trade shows operate, you know, particularly in light of, you know, and this is not unique. I mean, we know this at no, virtually, yeah. I mean, I've a done trade shows. shows do that. Yeah. yeah. I've done trade shows since 1984 or five, whatever. And very often I've seen situations where most of the time the eight hour day of the trade show is like 
you know, it just ebbs and flows. I mean, there'll be periods when it's crazy busy uh, and, and periods where, as I said, you could bowl in the aisles. And, um, you know, in the case of Exhibitor Live, it was just quiet almost all mm. the time. And, um, you know, at the end of day one, I mean, I think he had something like 25 or 30 engagements of any type, you know, let alone qualified yeah. ones. It was just people coming by and, you know, a few, very, very few and very, very far between. And he was really upset about it, as were a whole boatload of other exhibitors I spoke to, quite honestly. They were just like, what did we pay for if, you know, if we didn't get, you know, I think they may have taken a day off. And I do believe many of them said that there were at least blocks of hours in the past that were exclusively for the trade show floor. I believe they may have even had lunch, you know, uh, something somewhere nearby so that people could, you know, it just it just hmm. struck me so odd that an organization that is fundamentally embedded in this industry would miss something so key to, uh, you know, to the success of a trade show. I mean, it's kind of a shock. The second day it was, I don't know if, if the, the traffic wasn't dramatically better, you know, and again, a lot of this had nothing to do with it, you know, they couldn't control how many people were, you know, sure. comfortable yeah. coming. Yeah. So I'm not going to hold, you know, hold their feet to the fire on that one. But um, the second, by the second day, we think we picked up another 65, 70. We probably ended up with about 100. And they were actually solid engagements. We had some really good conversations, people that, you know, genuinely got, you know, what we were talking about and seemed to embrace the idea of a certain type of, you know, the, the way between Expo Stars and what our philosophy is at Magnet about, you know, connection and creating empathy and communication and all that stuff. So, you know, ultimately, I think he feels that the show uh, had value. But he also talked about what he's going to do, to do next year if he does come back to negotiate a, a far, let's say, a far better uh, booth position. Right. You know, yeah. there, there are also a couple of other things that I noticed that they did that, you know, it might be worth, you know, having a discussion about. They, um, there were a lot of people that didn't show up. And um, somebody that we know together, Anders, you know, was there and he was all the way sort of at the edge of, you know, they had somehow either screwed up the, the name because he's re uh, rebranded his company from infotainers to engageify and yep. he'd moved, you know, maybe they, they gave him kind of a, not exactly a preferred position. So he talked to them at the end of the first day and said, um, I'd like to move this. And he did, he literally, him and his assistant lifted up their screen and paraded across <laughs> to the middle of the floor, which is where they were supposed to be. But I think, you know, it could have been the kind of thing if they knew two or three days beforehand that people were not showing up, that I think, again, in service to the exhibitors, they could have kind of re and said, hey, why don't you move over here? You move over here. You move over here. We'll put up curtains here and creates, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, the psychology, right? Yeah, that, sure. That yeah, if yeah. you're in a smaller space and it's crowded it feels energetic and that there's something going on. If That's why really you go to some shows and, you know, half of the two thirds of the hall is closed off, but everything is jammed in one end and it feels yeah, like what's oh, going on here. Yeah. Right. There's another issue because, you know, social distancing and what have you, but there was no concern with that. I mean, frankly, when they had their cocktail mm -hmm. reception on the evening of the first, the first day, it was, you know, they crammed everybody pretty much into the center. Nobody was wearing a mask. You know, very few people, if anybody, they were serving alcohol. There were no snacks or anything, but it was very much kind of like a pre-COVID party, you know, right. and it didn't <laughs> well, feel. Well, I've, I mean, you know, I've, I've heard those types of stories of shows in the last 
few months uh, and, and the framing is, and I've, I've heard this a number of times, is that there's less people, there's less exhibitors, but because of that, there are more valuable conversations. And, and as time goes by, those leads turn out to be more valuable. It's hard to say at this point if that you've, you're, you're just a, a week out of the show. So I'd be curious to see if you had observed anything like that, because you did mention deeper conversations on the second day. Yeah, there were definitely deeper conversations. And um, they were like people that just, you know, uh, they were willing to spend the time and really kind of get the story. Um, I can tell you from my experience at Black Hat that many of the companies that were exhibiting there felt that, you know, it was small. It was, I think, about 25 to 30% of its normal attendance. Hmm. Um, but people did feel that they had good engagements. I mean, it was, these were not people who were just kind of coming around to grab free swag. They were really there to, you know. Well, I guess, you know, if you're going to go to a show under these circumstances, you're probably pretty serious about, about being <laughs> yeah. there. And yeah, so you're, you're going to take that time. So yeah, if you're going to do a five hour flight wearing a mask and deal with all those people <laughs> screaming and, you know, you're, it's really uh, important for you to be there for whatever reason. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I did feel that that was the case at Black Hat. Some people said that they felt that that was the case at Hims, which happened right after Black Hat. And then um, what was the other one? That, uh, yeah, a couple of uh, other friends of mine have done shows said that they. Uh, two things, first, that they felt it was a little easier to get a crowd at least among the magicians and the infotainers that I know people were very, sure. you know, like, yeah, please entertain me. Let's do we something. Need something. Let's get back. Yeah, we need to, we need to get back to the way life used to be. Come on, let's do this. Yeah. And it was wonderful. That was, that was delightful to see, you know, and definitely was the case in, um, in Dubai. That was amazing. Yeah, you mentioned in the, in the green room that Dubai was quite interesting. So how would you compare that with what's going on there? Um, to the U S writ large? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, that, that play into that uh they have something like a 90 percent vaccination rate over there uh you know their their incidence of you know covid is considerably lower i think they even had jitex live last year i mean right in the heart of you know in the yeah. in the middle of uh, the pandemic and they didn't see they're very very careful i mean you know you walk into the building there are all these security people that you, you know pointing to your face saying cover up cover up cover up admittedly as a cultural thing, there are a lot of people whose faces are already covered, quite yeah. honestly, you know, right. wearing, uh, you know, just whatever they wear, from, you know, from wherever they happen to be. But it was a lot of people in very close proximity and everybody wearing masks. There were, you know, I, pre I presented and, you know, did presentations for three solid days, well, two solid days. The middle one we couldn't do because of the, the, uh, the one person testing positive, but, uh, I didn't see anybody presenting or speaking or doing anything without a mask. There were people walking around. They were trying, they weren't quite as successful with um, the, uh, the body, body count per booth. I mean, because they would, based on the square footage, they would say no more than nine people. And it was posted on every booth, no more than nine people, 14 wow. people, 22 people. So leading into the show, we were told after we do the presentation, we were to leave the booth and just go someplace else so that, <laughs> that it would allow for two or three more potential customers to come into the right. booth. So, mm. but that wasn't as strictly enforced as the mask, as the mask rules were. Well, you've been to a number of shows in the last several months. I'm curious if you, how you see the next four to six months unfolding, you think uh, by the end of that, on the next half year that things will be quote unquote normal, or are we still yeah, be in I think situation I, I, for a while? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm definitely, I'm more on the optimistic side than some people that say, Oh, it's never going to come back the way it was I'm like, yeah, come on. You know, it will. people, point. people, people were, yeah, people were talking about trade shows being over 15 years ago. You know, it's like, oh, that's it. You know, the virtual world is going to, I think a right. lot of the companies that dip their toe into 
if not into, I mean, not just the virtual waters in general, I mean, in terms of SKOs and, you know, and other types of meetings, but virtual trade shows where there was like a virtual booth and an avatar taking people. I didn't, I haven't talked to anybody. The only company that did it well, I think was Apple, you know, and they had very short, like two and three minute presentations, Yeah. but some other companies, larger companies who shall remain nameless, um, did their trade show, virtual trade shows at great expense and have all pretty much told me it was a colossal waste of money. That's what I've heard. I mean, it's hard enough. 90, 95% of the time that that happened. Yeah. There's a few that came out smelling like a rose, but not too many. No, I mean, by and large people are, it's difficult enough as anybody who does trade shows knows to get someone to stop, you know, come off the, uh, the gray aisle carpeting onto the tyranny of the actual booth where, where (laughs) ah, they might actually be approached by a salesperson or a product, you know, specialist, you know, and that's in a live venue when you're offering, you know, free stuff and entertainment and a whole bunch of other things. And you can't really uh, escape that easily. Whereas, yeah, you know, you know try to do that in a virtual season. Yeah. Yeah. In a virtual framework, you know, where you've got an avatar. Hello, please. Welcome. Yeah, right. Our, you know, it's like, no, thank you. I'll just, I'll just play Candy Crush or watch cat videos. But uh, right. so there is a real hunger. I just got off the phone with a couple of clients that, um, you know, we're already booking a bunch of shows for AWS reInvent, which is coming up at the end of uh, November. I've got three, four clients at that show, which is, you know, as, as, as many as I had uh, last year, two years ago, but I'm not even going to be there because I'm going to be at um, a radiology show in Chicago, RSNA, which is a huge show. And then uh, RSA, um, we're booking you know, booth staff support people. You've got three, I think four pretty much confirmed uh, clients at that show already. And, you know, that's not always been the case two and a half, three months out. I mean, what are we now in beginning of November, November, December, January. So we're like three months out and we're already getting people signing on for that, talking to people about CES, about Microsoft uh, exchange or one of the Microsoft shows in June or July. So, you know, I think a lot of companies I mean, there are going to be a number of companies that just reevaluating their trade show strategy and say, well, we did eight shows a couple of years ago. Maybe we'll only do four. You know, we found that there are certain ways of engaging with our customers that virtually worked really well, not virtual trade shows, but just, um, you know, uh, customer events, you know, just basically saying, okay, we're going to send out 700, 800 invitations to people we want to talk to and put together some kind of a meeting on some platform and, have entertainment and have, um, you know, roundtable discussions and whatnot. And they're seeing, yeah, that's a, you know, I think if it's really box. focused and it's not spread over a bunch of time that that would succeed. Yeah. I know you've done some short videos. They're entertaining things for some, some clients and those types of meetings that from my impression, uh, they would be very well received, you know? So, Oh yeah. Um, that's been an yeah. unbelievable year for that. We did, we did a big yeah. thing for a company where they had first year we did it, they had an autumn, um, a, an Olympic theme. So we had everything sort of Olympically themed. The second one was more of like an adventure Indiana Jones thing. So we did, you know, video parodies of Indiana Jones. We did, you know, people uh, uh, base jumping. You know, we got stock footage of base jumpers where we do the voice of the person as they're flying down, you know, and or (laughs) ice climbing or you name it. So we kept we kept it thematically connected to their meeting. And over the course of a two, a four hour day and a three hour day, we've had probably about 12 or 15 little interstitials that kind of helped, you know, like little right. palate cleansers during the course of this meeting. And then another company booked us for, there were four Thursdays to the month of July, I think it was, uh, three sessions on each of those days, about an hour, an hour and a half long. 
And we had one element for each one of those, like a funny way to introduce a speaker, but with a horror movie preview and, you know, and so well, I've, I've seen your stuff and it's, it's very creative. So I'm sure that that went over. Well, well it one, is. one more thing before I, I let you go, Ken, I know sure, you're, sure, sure. you're busy and it's, and it's late Friday and when we're recording this, uh, your music stuff, I keep seeing you, you're working on a new album. Is that thing going to come out here soon or what? Well, it <laughs> you've was, been, you've been like a year into this or two. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it might be. If I t- you talk to my producer, he'll say it's been three and a half or get the damn oh thing God. out already. Well, it was supposed to come out before COVID, but I didn't want to do an album release concert online. I just, you know, the idea of doing a rock and roll thing, you know, and just with a drummer and a bass player and just kind of screaming into a camera, that did not strike me as fun at all. So (laughs) we held it, you know, and held it and held it and held it. And uh, the intention is to release it on vinyl. And uh, we actually, finally, this is what's called a test pressing. Ooh. This is where they take it. This is not the album cover. The album cover is actually pretty remarkable. It was de- uh, developed by a local artist named Nemo, and it's an incredible piece of art. I mean, it's beautiful. And it'll be a gatefold. It's uh, dedicated to my mom, who recently passed away. There's nice. actually, a, on the back of the album, is somebody getting mom tattooed on their arm. So that was my tribute <laughs> to her. And this is, for those of you who are too young to have ever seen anything like this, this is vinyl. It's actually, you know, it starts as a liquid and it turns into a solid and they make it. And you play it from the front to the back. <laughs> you play it from the front to the back. And when it's done, you have to get up and flip it over. Right. Yeah. 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 It's almost like it. walking across the room to change the channel. Remember oh, yeah. I mean, when I was in when I was in college, <laughs> you know, without getting too, you know, without, when I was in college, you know, and you were on a date, you know, the whole thing was like, you know, if you put an album side on, if this was part of like how this date was going to go, you know, you, you know, if you're, you know, sitting on the couch, you know, kissing and whatever, at the end of that first side, it wasn't stat. You had to get up, you know, the album selection was key. I mean, it was like you would listen (laughs) to one song after another, after another by the same artist. Can you imagine? I know. There was no shuttling. Yeah. But it's always good to catch up with you. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you, you'll have to sign a copy for me. Oh, I will absolutely do that. I'll etch it right into the vinyl. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> It'll. Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't work, does it? No, that doesn't, doesn't work. No, no. <laughs> All right. Love you, Ken. Be well. Oh, Thank man, you again. I got you. It's really great to see you, Trade Show guy. <laughs> Take care, Tim. Bye. Thanks again to Ken Newman of. Magnet Productions out of San Francisco, although they basically work around the world with all the folks that he has working for him. Uh, let's see. Uh, you can find him at tradeshowpresenter.net. There you go. This week's one good thing before I leave. I just picked this up. Uh, like I say, pick it up. It's a heavy set. It's called uh, The Lyrics. Paul McCartney, if you're a Beatles fan, Paul McCartney fan, which I am greatly. It is It is. A, it is an incredible package. Um, it's just every, not every song that he ever wrote, of course, but... Uh, you know, 150, 200 of them has has like copies of the lyrics, stories about how the songs came about, uh, lots and lots of pictures from his personal collection. Just fun stuff. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's this week's one good thing. I'm Tim Patterson. This is a trade show guy. Monday morning coffee. We'll do it again soon. I hope you uh, look around for us and uh, find us at uh, SoundCloud or at tradeshowguyblog.com or, of course, at tradeshowguy.com. Dot net.